Welcome to Millennial Penguin Podcast. I'm your host, Autumn Wolf. And I'm Jarrah Stone. And in virtual studio today, we have a uh, an author with us, Mr. Jason Rawls. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks, Hello. For, thanks for having me. Oh, thank, thank you for you. taking the time and, and uh, coming out to the show. Happy New Year. Yay. Very happy New Year. Happy to be out of 2020. Yes. <laughs> well... We got it's, six it's, days in. Yeah, we got well, we got six days in. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that the uh, the start the tenor for the start isn't the uh, the theme. Yeah, and like they needed just one last blowout of stupidity before we could right. start moving forward. I'm optimistic. It's gonna be a great year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Actually, <laughs> my, my my favorite thing that I saw is uh, I, okay. I'm done with the seven day free trial. Can we go back? <laughs> I need me a 2015 reboot. Yes. <laughs> Go back there. Boy. Oh. So, Jarrah, how are you? I'm I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Um, I mean, you know, just a new start to the year. I'm actually starting a new, you know, the, the whole weight loss regime. Um, actually trying a, a different version of keto. So, and I'm actually documenting it on uh, for YouTube. I saw so that. I, yeah, yeah, I've actually been doing pretty good so far. So I got so far nine days in and I haven't missed a day. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> how about you, Autumn? How's how do your uh, your New Year's fare? Um, so I went to a very small social distancing wedding yesterday. It was my best friend's wedding, and um Shorty can't get low no more. Shorty is old and fat and out of shape and Shorty can get low. And then the next morning she cries saying, oh. Oi, I need to do more squats. So just, that was just, fun. Just, you just forgot to do your stretches before the, before the wedding. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Like the third time I was like, all right, I'm ow. <laughs> all right. We're not getting low no more. No oh. more apple bottom jeans. I do have a pair of boots with the fur, but you know, Oh. No, no. <laughs> uh, how about you, Jason? How how was your uh, your New Year's? Good, you know, just trying to stay on top of things. I've got a fresh set of twins, so oh, they keep me busy. Oh my! And I know you uh, you just moved too. Yeah, so 2020 was a crazy year because I published a book, had a set of twins, moved, had to buy a bigger car because obviously. Twins. Twins. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, crazy, intense year of uh, lots of bad and good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oof, twins. That must be a, a completely different experience than one. Yes. Oh, they're great. <laughs> they're really great. They, they sleep through the night, and uh, oh, they're pretty lucky. chill. You know, there's two of them, but they're... Uh, Individually, they're chill people to begin with. Yeah, so. yeah, they're just doing their thing. But they <laughs> take turns being crazy, so it's not too bad. Not too bad. We're maintaining. Yay. Nice. Awesome blessings. The small ones. So, as you guys heard, Jason is a author, and we asked him to come on to talk a little bit about his craft. Um, you write poetry, correct? That is correct, yes. Awesome. Well, before we dive into that, as our listeners know, we must learn your coming of witch story. Sounds good. Um, Let's see, coming of witch story. So let's start in the present. We'll do a little in media rest with flashbacks, and that's how we'll do the story. Good. I like that. Sounds fun. So jumping in right now, I am a Norse pagan slash heathen slash however you want to call that um, pagan affiliated mostly with the pantheon of Northern European tradition, uh, mainly in my case, Odin, and then a lot of other folks and spirits. And that's kind of my, my current condition. And a lot of the main way in which I connect with them is through poetry. And it's almost a bit shamanic in nature, you know, you just kind of relax and, and, and I find the writing of poetry kind of put me in that kind of altered space like drumming or in, you know, it's kind of my, my way of kind of touching in with, with, uh, you know, altered states and kind of the uh, other realities and whatnot. And, you know, I have a book, so uh, put it in perspective, I guess it's, it's a long story cause I'm in my mid thirties now, but when I was a child, I came across a book by Edith Hamilton 
uh, which is actually on the bookshelf behind me. I'll grab it. A book called Mythology by Edith Hamilton. Uh, classic work on Greek and Roman mythology because I was just kind of into all that stuff, you know, Tolkien and myths and, you know, like everybody else, I think, <laughs> my age group uh, in this, in this uh, area. And at the very end of the book, there's a little section on Norse gods that I hadn't really heard of. And I was like, you know, nine or ten at the time. And I'm flipping through it and it's talking about, you know, the, the creation myths and the different deities. But the main thing that stood out to me was it separated them from the Hellenic tradition was that these gods... They were from this really harsh reality, and they could die, and that was the thing, and kind of how they faced up to that, you know, because the Greek and Roman guys, they're they're interesting in their own right, but the stories don't really play them off as being the most relatable to the human condition. They're just kind of, they're doing their thing, but it just really spoke to me that they were, um, could die, and then, uh, you know, it, from there, you know, several years of, of following them and online research, and also true at the time was fairly young, and it, it really spoke to me. And I was really heavy into it. And then, you know, I kind of aged out of that, you know, uh, into my high school years and going off into the world and kind of tried, tried out Christianity again and did, you know, did all those things because, you know, it just didn't really, at the time I was like, oh, you know, I can't really sustain this. There's not that many people into it. It just didn't seem like a, a thing. But, you know, over the over time, it just slowly pulled me back, pulled me back. And honestly, it wasn't until maybe the early part of last year where I really started to get back into it. And then I had a full on visionary experience with Odin and then it just kind of clicked in from there. And here I am less than a year from my visionary experience with, you know, all these communities I've been a part of gatherings. I've been to a published book. Uh, it's, it's been an interesting ride, but a lot and a lot of that has happened in really less than a year. Wow. Wow. So it's been a kind of whirlwind situation for the past year of like knocking on that door. Yeah, Odin showed up and was like, hey, let's go. And everything <laughs> else kind of happened after that. Yep. I have those moments where the goddess is like, so you've done this, but now it's time to do something else for me. And um, she's been very satiated with the podcast for a while. So I'm waiting <laughs> for her to go. Um, so you're not doing enough now. So we'll see. But um, did you end up self-publishing? Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice, and I kind of did this intentionally because it's just a really good time right now within certainly at least the, the heathen Norse pagan community that I'm a part of for creators. And there seems to be a lot of growth in the community and it's, it's really good. Uh, mostly healthy online discussion, especially I think Instagram is the safest probably platform uh, at the moment for like, like a strong vibrant community without a, too much negativity past two weeks or so uh, notwithstanding um, <laughs> right but it's uh i don't know it's just been it's been an interesting good experience and so i self-published but i did it in such a way where you know i went and found a really good cover artist her her tag is at alchemist of the arts on instagram she's just great she does all these beautiful bond rooms but she did the bond room cover so I, I i found a good artist to do the cover i uh, found an editor in the pagan community to send my work to and have it edited you know, beta copies, beta readers, feedback. And then I finally released it. And you'll notice on Amazon, it says independently published. And there's this thing you can do if you self-publish where you create your own publishing house. And a lot of people do it. And it looks pretty because it's like, ooh, so-and-so published a book and the publishing house is, you know, Raven, Raven Bone Publishing. But it's just mm -hmm. made up so that it doesn't look like they did it themselves. But I don't know. I don't mind the, the the fact that it says independently published there. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's something we could all be doing right now. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think, especially right now, a lot of us are realizing we are creators and creatrixes, and we're um, all capable of making some pretty awesome stuff. And whether it's done right or wrong, with air quotes, it doesn't really matter as long as you find it enjoyable. But with that said, I guess my next question is, which gods, obviously you said Odin already, but which gods do you feel most connected to and why? Well, certainly Odin. Uh, and I think the main thing that connects me to him is oh, basically everything. So mm -hmm. I'm a former infantry Marine with a college education and a deeply curious mind about everything from science to the occult, evolutionary theory, uh, to string theory, to you know, deeper psychological aspects. So like something about a flawed warrior character who's really into magic 
Like, I mean, it's just, it's impossible for me not to vibe with that right. on, all, mm-hmm. on all, on all bands of the spectrum. And it was just strange because as a child, it was all Thor, you know, when I was a kid before I went to the Marine Corps, when I was really worshiping the old Norse gods, it was all Thor and Freya. I'd say Thor and Freya are the two that seem from what I've interacted with other folks. Those are the two that most people interact with comfortably. Mm-hmm. Uh, those seem to be a real good entry point. Like Freya is always kind of there and available. She has mm-hmm. her darker aspects, but she seems very reachable for, for people that are just entering faith and exploring. And Thor, I mean, he's like, you know, the, probably the friendliest God, I would say, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, the storms are cracking and you're like Thor and the thunder rolls in and it's like, ah, so, you know, that was my relationship in the beginning, but, you know, been last year just laying there in bed and I was half asleep. And as I was waking up, he was right there in the hallway, like plain as day, this dark silhouette with a hat and a, and a staff. I mean, that's only open. Uh, and I was uh, full on, you know, what a sleep terror is basically uh, sleep paralysis. Like I couldn't move and I was just suffused with terror. And it was the awesomest, awesomest thing ever. It, it was, it was intense, but ever since then, it's just been him, you know, and, and that's the whole, I would say the whole bulk of my first book, this book here that's out is my kind of entry back into the faith and my kind of relationship and journey with him and kind of how that plays out. And then uh, across the other spectrum, you know, I've had in the ensuing year, I've, I've had a lot of relationships and, and, and activities with a lot of the other deities uh, on a more superficial level, you know, offerings and experiences. But the other one that really stands out, who is actually in the book, if you read between the lines and some of the stuff where I'm dealing with my ancestors, would be Anger Botha. Mm-hmm. I've had some really intense experiences with her, actually at gatherings with like other folks. And she is somebody that really f- fascinates me and, and I have a, a strong pull to because she's just sort of like fear personified, but like in a good way. And mm-hmm. there's just something you know, something very Japanese horror film about her that just is very appealing. And uh, she's really, she's helped me out a lot. And for those who aren't familiar with her, what was her name and uh, a little bit more about her again? So Anger Boda, Anger Boda, she literally means like, you know, like foreboding maybe comes from from her name etymologically. But she is the mother of, we'll say consort of Loki or Loki's her consort is probably more accurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's the queen of Yarnvither, which is the Iron Woods in uh, Jotunheim. So she's like a giant or troll queen or something else. She is the mother of Jormungandr, which is the world serpent. Fenrir, which is the big wolf that they bind, which is a story most people know. And Hel, who is the queen of the underworld, half alive, half dead. And she's also, if you look at the Baldur's Dramar, which is uh, Baldur's Dreams, where... Balder Odin's son is, is having bad dreams because he's going to eventually be killed and, and have to go down to hell and make everybody very unhappy. Well, Odin goes and consults a seeress, and she kind of claps back at him a couple times. And they have this back and forth, and I really like the, the relationship between Odin and Anger Boda and the Mist. It's just really interesting. But at the end, he's like, you're not you're not a seer. You're the giant mother of three three monsters. Clearly, that's Anger Boda. And there's some a whole range of theories about her relationship with other myths. She may indeed be the seeress that tells of the creation story that everybody knows about, you know, the fire and ice thing uh, and how the Norse cosmology begins. Uh, she might be the one that started the war between the Aesir and the Vanir. Like there, there's a whole lot, a whole lot to her beyond that. Sounds like a very complicated lady. Yes. I like my deities dark and complicated. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually just recently started a little bit of a, a little bit of research in, into her because her her name came up in one of my friends was talking about her, and yeah, this is by far one of the most complicated ones I've actually started even starting just to delve into. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Yeah, I'm. Um, I have not gone investigating a whole lot of uh, North myths, which I should be doing. But, but as um, the Autumn Wolf, as I call myself, Finrear and I have a kind of interesting connection, especially as a breaker of a chain and starter of destruction. He's a, he's a very intense energy. I definitely dig it. Yeah, mother of all wolves. Yeah, I like, that's, that's I like the use of gender in um, in the Norse myths a lot because it's very fluid. He's, he's obviously a male wolf yet called mother of all wolves. So 
it's uh yeah it's 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 definitely the Norse mythology. It might be part of the reason why heathenry and Norse paganism in general is, is seeing such a resurgence. I think is we have so many of our stories. Like there's so little we really have, and lots of gaps. Mm-hmm. But in terms of traditions, where you can literally track like names of deities and how they were worshipped, and artifacts and history, uh, I feel like we're, we're really fortunate in how much we have preserved. And a lot of the history that we're locating now is um, being checked very well and very balanced. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. both female and male scientists really focusing on making sure it's correct. Since our previous ideas was very masculine, now we're learning that maybe the tradition and the actual existence of these people were not that simple. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, um, let me see. We asked about deities. So, why don't we go ahead and dive into the book? Sure. Okay. Um, so, so, again, it is The Oath, A Heathen Poet's Journey, and it's basically a, a series of narrative poems that kind of starts with maybe about the summer of last year. I'm sitting in a hotel room typing up a poem on my phone in my little Canva app, which, by the way, Canva is mm-hmm. the greatest thing ever uh, <laughs> for creators. And I just, this whole like half a poem just kind of pulls out of me of uh, this forest. And there's Idun, who uh, is the one that collects and brings the apples for the Norse gods for them to be, you know, immortal and stay young, sort of a nectar and ambrosia kind of thing. Uh, so the goddess of immortality, who also, interesting enough, happens to be married to the god of poetry. And I mean, there's a lot there you can read into the depth of, you know, arts and immortality. And, and, and there's just a lot there. So I just start following her and I start writing this book. And I, I honestly thought that maybe I would run into Bragi and maybe there'd be like, since I'm writing a book of poetry, but I just basically follow her and there's some, it, it ends up turning into, and, and it's weird now because this book is out. People are reading it and buying it, uh, reviewing it really positively. And it, at this point, it doesn't even feel like something I made, more like something just kind of came through me. It's like, hey, there's this thing mm-hmm. that didn't exist. And I did some stuff, and now it does. And it's it basically turned into kind of a textbook hero's journey into the other world, into the underworld, facing challenges, coming back with wisdom. There's just it, it's I don't know it's it's very it's almost hard to talk about what it ended up turning into. But I'm really proud of, of what it is, and 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 basically encapsulate within it both the binding on the cover, and within it is my oath, my main oath, really the only oath I've given at this point to any deities is within it. So there's also something there powerful as well. So each time someone purchases this, my bond rune is, my oath bond rune is printed. My actual oath is printed, distributed in the world and goes to be on someone's bookshelf or altar and potentially read by them. And so it's, it's almost besides being a work of, you know, what I would call shamanic poetry. It also is some sort of incantation or spell itself that is cast every time someone hits that button and they print one off the press. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a special little book that I'm, I'm quite fond of. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking at the, uh, at the page on Amazon right now and just all the positive reviews that are on there. I am uh, like, I j- just, just the beautiful things that they're saying about it. Like one of the things that, that I see here is like a beautifully, beautifully written poetic odyssey. Ooh. Like that, that gave me that, chills. <laughs> yeah, that in and of itself. I mean, that's that really says something, especially from a random person online. Mm-hmm. It's it's so strange. This isn't supposed to happen. My first book is <laughs> supposed to disappear. You know, it's <laughs> poetry. People don't buy poetry books. <laughs> not really. It's not supposed to. But well, you're 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 finding them. They're they're out here now. It's it's just interesting. You know, it's it, it's almost it's strange because I spent so many years not doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I spent decades not writing this. I literally was a teenager and Freya was like, Hey, you should write poetry for the gods. And I was like, there's not a market for that, you know? <laughs> um, and I guess it took Odin smacking me with a spear, but the gods don't care about the market. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's weird. We live in a world where you can find your tribe and uh, somehow yeah. I found them. And you know, it's a small niche that I operate in, but somehow I have, you know, I started this Instagram account like seven or eight months ago. You know, I've got like over 3000 followers. I've got a book that's in the world. It's weird. It's just, it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) 
I I know. Um, what shocks me every time is when a guest comes back and says, my world blew up. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm doing this for me, essentially. Hi, listeners. You guys get the benefit of my curiosity <laughs> every time I can. And um, yeah, the, like I said, the goddess knocked on my door and said, I need, you need to do more. And at the end of the day, when I hear somebody say, I love listening to you and I've learned so much, or I hear a guest come back and say, this just happened after coming on the show. I'm like, awesome. Was not prepared for the magic that happens when you pr- create something in the God's name. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's real. It's, it's a, it's a, such a fortunate time. It's, you know, it can be cast as a dark time for mm-hmm. sure. And it is by a lot of people. It's really a fortunate time. There are no gatekeepers, you know, anyone mm-hmm. can create anything, find anybody, Amazon, Etsy, whatever, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good time. We're about to come into a Renaissance period that does not need the Catholic church to fund us. Nope. Exactly. So that's what's going to be a pretty awesome to see what happens after when people start coming back out of the woodwork and such. But with that said, um, how for our listeners and for myself, I know poetry is very much a deeply rooted, important thing in heathen culture and religion. Why is that? If, uh, as far as you are concerned, you know, it's, it's, you know, and I think maybe it, if you look at all of the, um, pre-Christian traditions, you know, the Hellenics, they've got Homer and Hesiod, Odyssey, Iliad, Walking Days. You'll have to pardon my dog in the background. <laughs> Bark. <laughs> um, but you've got the works of the Greeks. You've got Homer and the Odyssey and the Iliad. You've got basically all of the pre-Christian traditions in some form or fashion did oral, oral traditions, which involved song or poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the Norse tradition, you have, of course, the skalds, skaldic poetry, court poetry, and just a, a strong tradition of that. And so because of that, a lot of our sources are poetry. So when you get into the heathen faith, you're automatically reading a lot of poetry. And so it, it, it just, it, it makes sense that you can kind of pick up on that tradition and build off of it. You know, it's, it's quite possible that a lot of people that are reading my book of heathen poetry, maybe wouldn't necessarily be going out and getting a book of poetry, but but the books they do get just happen to be poetry. So there's some sort of relationship there between, you know, the, na- the nature of the art form and the way that our history was preserved and now being able to, to do that today. And, and, you know, it's, there's also something to be said, you know, I could write a book in prose that just kind of talks about the gods or I could write poems that evoke emotions and really speak to what they're about. And I think that's a lot more powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, just for me, it's, it's, it's just my spiritual practice is, you know, at this point I'm writing one or two poems a day, which is strange, you know, over the past year, I've churned out hundreds of poems. And, and again, not all of them are great, but I don't even know though, cause I'll make one that I think is, is awesome. And it just kind of goes out there and doesn't really do much. And I'll make one that like, well, I'll throw this, this is okay. I guess I'll put it out and it'll just take off and everybody loves mm-hmm. it. And there's some sort of, you know, process there where you just create and you create and, and good things happen. But you know, again, for me, it's just my spiritual process and practice. And it, it just happens to be a good way for me to, to communicate uh, gods. And I feel like they just, they seem to reside in poetry. Well, there's just something about it, um, mm-hmm. which yeah. there's something there within the words that goes beyond words, which hard, which is hard to put into words with words. <laughs> having to read between the lines and then having to figure out how to articulate the in-betweens. Yeah. Yes. So I know in um, heathen stories, there are a couple of stories about poetry. There is a God of poetry. Um, Which one is your favorite? Oh, well, I've heard a tale. So Bragi is the God of poetry. Again, Mm -hmm. he's married to Idun, the goddess of immortality. So, the plot of my book is roughly I meet Idun and somehow I get led to Odin. It's a rough plot. But one of my favorite stories that I've heard of Bragi is that Bragi was a man, supposedly you know a, sc- a famous skald, who met Idun. Idun was in trance with him, and she takes and introduces him to Odin to you know 
make him the god of poetry and, and, and induct him into Valhalla, where he can sit there and sing the tales of the gods. And interestingly enough, I heard that story after I'd finished my book. So that's fun. But yeah, uh, Bragi is, he's the god of poetry. But interestingly enough, I, I have more of a relationship with Odin as the god mm-hmm. of poetry because he is the one that, my poetry tends to be more raw and emotional and kind of unfiltered. And I kind of interact with Bragi in more of, he seems more of a technician just in the way that I, I relate to him, you know, meter, style, line, you know, the, the mechanics. He seems to be like a master of the mechanics of the art of poetry. Whereas Odin is just that, that odor, that raw madness that generates, uh, you know, raw art. Um, and he is, you know, my favorite story of him is how he actually gained the art of poetry for humans because the god Kvasir, uh, who was the smartest and wisest of all gods and went wandering the realms, who was, <laughs> this is such a dark and strange story, but he was murdered by some dwarves who then cooked him up into three pots of mead or three, three cauldrons with three different names. And then you could drink that and you'd be inspired to write, po- to, to say poetry. Then apparently those dwarves made somebody mad. So a giant Sutung kills them and he takes it back to his hall. And then Odin is like, well, this is interesting. And he goes and embarks on just a really dark and twisted tale <laughs> of giant murder and magic size and just a whole lot of weird shape shifting. And he think at one point he turns into a drill or takes a drill and drills into a hole into a mountain. He seduces a giant woman. It's a lot of badness and a lot of craziness. <laughs> uh, it's, it's your textbook Odin story. And maybe explains why I was so terrified the first time I encountered him. But somehow he gets to sip this, each of these three colors of meat into his body, turns into an eagle and flies back to, um, to Asgard with it. And somehow has managed to deposit this, this stuff into the halls of the gods. And because of him, and uh, I think it's said that maybe the whatever Mead slipped out as he was flying is, is a gift to poets. But, you know, because of that, because of that we, we now have poetry. So it's just, it's a strange tale. But, and again, one of the reasons that we know so much about Odin is because he was, especially later in the Viking Age, when a lot of this stuff was solidified and codified, was the god of both the nobles and also poets. So naturally, being the god of the court poets, and the god of the people who paid the court poets, he has a lot of poems written about him, mm-hmm. including my book, actually. So <laughs> there, there he you knows, go. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. So uh, I think we're we're at about halfway right now. I think we're going to take a quick break and uh, come back. And if if you wouldn't mind, I mean, I know that you know the, the book is out there. Maybe when we come back, maybe we can hear a couple of the a uh, couple of the poems. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, awesome. Millennial Pagan Podcast is exclusively supported by Patreon. Listeners like you can gain great benefits from your favorite show, such as... At $1 a month, you get a personalized shout-out at the end of the next full-length episode. At $5 a month, you receive a thank-you card in the mail with Millennial Pagan Podcast button and sticker enclosed. Additionally, $5 a month supporters have access to our monthly 30-minute minisodes. Patreon supporters are also the first to learn about new and exciting updates to Millennial Pagan Podcast. More benefits and exclusive content to come. All right, and we are back. And uh, again, we have uh, Mr. Jason Rawls with us. And so I know uh, before we, we went on break, we, we asked if you would uh, read, some, read some poetry to us from your book. Now, just really quick, I just want to let, let you know, I was actually scrolling, scrolling through Amazon earlier today. And I don't know if it was just the, uh, the, the gods playing as they do. But so when I saw like the recommended for like recent, recent purchases, your book actually came up. <laughs> so it, it was, it was just one of those, like I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, that name looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so it, it al- is, it is. The algorithm mm. might be the new deity of the age. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, when the algorithm recognizes you, recognizes you, it's uh, things start to happen. That's that is true. <laughs> it's like American gods esque kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, we we yeah we've we've had that discussion before. I think at least once or twice. Hey, doesn't the new season come out today? 
I think, I think so. so. Is it you know, yeah. tomorrow? It, it, it's it's sometime it's sometime this week. I haven't even watched season four of Sabrina, so <laughs> I got caught up on my pagan watching. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, I, I'd say you know, go ahead and pick out what, whatever you feel is is right for the moment, and you know, just let's uh, let, let's let's hear some of your some of your book, The Oath: A Heathen Poet's Journey. Okay. Sure. I'll. Uh... So again, it's, it's, it's broken up into three sections. The first being mm-hmm. soul travel, which is a sort of shamanic journey, travel through realms kind of thing. The second being Mad King, which is all around, you know, the Mad King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the third is gratitude, where I just kind of express a gratitude poem for all the deities who happen to come and make an appearance in the pages. But I'll start with the first poem, Glimpse of Idun where I kind of glimpsed her and, and things kind of took from there. And then maybe also read one more. So we'll, we'll jump, I'll jump into Glimpse of Idun. Time bleeds, epochs passing in my yard. Look, there lies a century. It smells like the death of Rome. Look, there goes a goddess carrying a basket of golden apples. Where does she go in this echo of time's passing? I follow. Wading deeper the sea of blank page, the water grows limbs, heavy conifers creep up the slope, dark strokes on pale canvas. Her laugh, birdsong bright, reaches me in a hollow. I run my will through pages and pages of broken draft prose. Her laugh, birdsong bright, flees beneath the hill. I run further, dead wing flexing in a shallow grave. My attempts at corpse flight. Her song fades. The hill opens. Bereft of song, I stare down the long corridor. There is a bridge and a throne. A hound bays under strange light. My time in laughing dales ends as I descend. Ooh. And that's that's kind of where it all starts. And again, the first first half of that. And the first, you know, several lines just kind of came out in one piece, um, and then it just kind of went from there. And I, I'm not, yeah, not gonna lie, that that gave me shivers. That that gave me like the the the, the feel goods. <laughs> like, yeah, it gives me kind of the sense of almost Alice following the White Rabbit, but a little bit more not sinister, but definitely um, darker, kind mm-hmm. of descent as opposed to through a rabbit hole i guess and i didn't really mean it to happen but it just kind of turned which i mean it makes sense all stories kind of follow a very similar template and they Mm -hmm. all kind of originate from the same kind of thing you know there's a reason that both the japanese and the greeks have a story about descending into the underworld and eating some food and getting stuck there Mm -hmm. you know the the persephone story is mirrored uh, very similarly in in a japanese myth which is obviously they didn't have any contact. Um, right. But there's just something, there's these powerful stories that are just capsul- encapsulated. You know, and Joseph Campbell, uh, the famous mythologist, talks about that. He may have, you know, white European washed it a bit and, and, hmm. and with his, you know, uh, hero's journey because there's heroines and there's other kinds of things too. But uh, there's something there about, uh, there's just something about story and the human experience that's kind of universal. But I think if y'all would like, I'll read one more poem that may give you chills because this is the one where Odin speaks. Mm-hmm. The title of it is Odin Speaks. And you'll hear probably when, I, when, I, when the poetry transitions into his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does not, if you follow Odin or interact with him much, he never really says anything. He's very <laughs> silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really surprised when he spoke, but it's, yeah, I think, worth, worth reading out loud. So I'll, I'll give that one a go. Yeah. Odin speaks. He sits in the clearing, wide brim hat pulled low. A staff rests in quiet grass. Carved symbols hum like the uneasy slumber of bees. His hands move in delicate patterns, fingers tracing lines in time with hidden music. I step forward. My body drops, cold and insensate. My heart continues across the clearing. I am in magic country now, where even poetry fails. 
Know that I am trying. Know that I will fall short. How to share the words of a God. He weaves his pattern and begins to speak. Time passes. Ages. Endless cycles. Years die on fruited vine. Bees and galaxies unfold. Bright wanderings large and small. Fish swim the folds of fate. Leaps of brilliance forgotten each season. Time passes, and now the time has come. I say he speaks, but why is it my voice? My hands paint the words, are they mine or his? Now the time has come. The staff of power calls, the liquid sorcery of language. Grasp it, use it, shape the stones, sing the grass, leap the towers risen by ancient sages. Follow the rune-cast roar of electrons, the Jotun song of all that is and all to come. It is time to claim the thirst for knowledge, to sacrifice your broken understandings for a drink of truth at the bottom of a dark well. Ooh. Hey. Uh, yeah. Stunning. So that's Odin. Mm. That's... I, I, I like the way that it's kind of the the imagery that that's put behind it too just the, the 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 electric humming of the of the runes of the carvings that's just i i've always understood that just with, with something that there there lies in so much power and i, I like the way that it, it kind of uses not just that that um that visual but also scientifically the electrons mm. You know, kind of, kind of going into that. Yeah, mind blown. <laughs> I just, yeah, well, it's it's weird too because that scene. So you know, if you do shamanic journeying, certainly, I was big into shamanism as a kid too, and something that always appealed to me because I have a very visual mind. So you know, there's um, there's a word for it. I believe it's aphasia. Maybe there, there's a word mm-hmm. for the deter- that describes how you do with imagery. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. yeah. aphasic, I think it is maybe, or no, aphantasic, aphantasic and hyperphantasic. Mm-hmm. Aphantasic meaning you can't do images in your head, you know, and it's, it's weird because everybody lives in their head. So they assume everybody has the same subjective experience, but mm-hmm. there are people that, that don't see an images in their head. Like they can't take a wall, you know, if you get into witchcraft or, or stuff like that, you know, one of the first things you got to do is visualize. And there are people that don't do that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, there are people on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is where I've always laid, where for me, you know, I can manipulate and, and see things in my head and, and it's very visual and real. Um, so I've always appealed. That's why shama, shamanism has always appealed to me. But it's when I was doing the scene, there was a, there was a, pl- a clearing in this forest, in what I might call the rune forest or rune woods, where all of my travels in this, this poem took me. When I got to write this portion, there was this clearing in the woods and you know, Odin is a very come-and-go kind of guy, uh, mostly go. You'll hear this from a lot of Odin followers if you're particularly bound to Odin. Uh, the experiences are great. The wisdom is great. But then there might be three or four months where you get nothing because mm-hmm. he's off. He's off doing his own thing. But during that portion of like two weeks that I was writing that poem, he just showed up. He sat down and he was in that clearing. Anytime I would visualize it in my head, he was sitting there in the middle of it. So it was a, it was a really special experience writing that and even now that he's gone that space within the woods is still there in my mind that i can go to periodically and uh, i would like to explore maybe in another book just on runes because runes are something that really give themselves to poetry i think oh yeah so i've heard this phrase a lot and i don't know if um people understand it and specifically but the um oten song oh what was that oten song it was part of the poetry or the um, where Odin was speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've heard this phrase before, so I'm not sure if there's a very specific meeting or. I actually know. It just came to me. Got you. <laughs> but okay. I've found a lot of these things I write about and I'll be like this particularly intense personal gnosis. that's all mine. And somebody be like, that's exactly what I thought. Or that's the same thing I've experienced. And you're like, well, that's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got it um, but yeah that was just kind of my own thing I like the word Yoden uh, mm-hmm. makes me happy I don't know why 
you know, Yoden. It's just got mm-hmm. something to it, which, you know, my next book that I'm currently deep in the throes of takes place in Jotunheim. So that's fun. Nice. So do, do you use your, your poetry in like your daily practice as well? Yeah, it, or, it, it is my daily practice, basically. Yeah. So what you're looking at is a book that encapsulates maybe the first three to four months of my spiritual journey back on this path. Mm-hmm. So I'll work out my own stuff, you know. The, the thing, there's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, basically, it's talking about genius. And it says, you know, people, something that's genius is just when you see on the page your own words reflected back at you and somebody else has written them and they come at you with a sort of alienated majesty. And that's always been the quote that kind of pushes me to write because I go through this deep internal spiritual process where I'm just going through my stuff and get my stuff on the page and then I release it to the world. And of course people resonate with it because we all have the same struggles, you know, the same ups and downs, the same what's going on. So you know, I try to, my poetry is a deeply personal spiritual practice where I process things and interact with the deities and then I package it up and, you know, make it aesthetically appealing and give it out and people can have that same sort of, those same sort of experiences. Nice. Nice. I, yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of <laughs> reeling from the, from the words there. And I, I, I do have to say, I, I've already purchased the book on Amazon. <laughs> Because I, I I'd love to I of course love to have a physical copy of that just because it's I'm I'm not that much of a reader when it comes to like books but I love poetry poetry has been something that's always really really spoken to me and really spoken to to my inner being so so and I, yeah and I, and I I just want to say you know I appreciate again you know you just coming out and just being able to to relay this this journey with us. You know. So well, how many I'm books do you have? Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, you go ahead. <laughs> so how many books do you have in the works and when should we expect the next one? Well, as a creative writer, I have thousands in the works. <laughs> <laughs> but my second one is hmm, maybe two thirds finished rough draft. Uh, it started where I was like just climbing Yggdrasil and the next thing you know, Loki shows up and I'm in Jotunheim and it just kind of goes from there and it's so far, the theme seems to be kind of interacting with my talent and, you know, following my passion and Jotunheim, you know, a land of you know, power and potential is a good place to do that and kind of mm-hmm. to explore the language there. And, you know, I would like to um, finish that one and go through the same process I did with this one. Certainly, it'll be out this year for sure. And then, you know, I would like to flex my wings a little bit and, and see if it becomes a little longer, a little, a little, a little beefier and, and have more content, but there's no real telling okay. uh, and then i also uh started an etsy shop where i'm taking some of my favorite like uh, short works that maybe did well on instagram or have some other variant on them and putting those up you know one here or there that you people can download as uh pdfs and print them up and frame them that kind of thing but mostly just kind of working through it and and then in the long term i really want to write a book about odin mm-hmm. but in my head, there are two things, right? There's the runes. And I did a series on rune poetry, which is almost done if you go to my Instagram and look at my stories. They're all saved there. Where I'm, I'm almost to the very end of the 24 Elders from the Thark Road, each, each one getting its own poem. And there's just something about the runes that, I mean, well, the reason we know what we know about the runes comes from the rune poems themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then there's the names of Odin. So I started a new series on Instagram where I'm doing a few where I'm taking the different of the hundreds of names of Odin and, and doing poetry around them. You know, Vegtum, the Way Tamer, Runatir, God of the Runes, Gondlir, you know, God of the Wand or the Magic Staff, you know, and just, and there's something in my head out in the future that is a book about Odin that includes, somehow interweaves his names and the runes and poetry. But, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be good enough to write that, but that's something that kind of sits in my brain out in the future. I, I don't know. I think you're, you're, I think you're headed down the right path for that. <laughs> There's just a lot, a lot of depth to explore. And, and the fun thing is of course, that I also have a full-time job that's <laughs> 40 to 60 hours a week, mm-hmm. super intense sales stuff <laughs> and, twins. Yep. and twins. So, you know, <laughs> it just all kind of happens. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, where can they find, obviously, we've already said that your book is available on Amazon. Where? What is your Instagram handle? That would be wondering underscore Yggdrasil. Well, maybe, maybe hard to spell, although probably pretty easy for, for pagan folks to spell Yggdrasil. <laughs> my world, world tree. But yeah, on Instagram, I'm wondering Yggdrasil. And if you go on my link in my bio there, I've got a bunch of other stuff too. Uh, I, I actually was trying TikTok and Twitter just to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. wander about. But but mostly my base is uh, is Instagram and then Patreon, Jason Rawls or Wondering Yggdrasil. You can find I've got a few folks who support me there, which, again, is still mind-blowing that there's people that, that, that give me money to do the thing I love. <laughs> so i got a lot of love for those folks. Yeah, I know, um, we we know that it's, it's it's still strange, but amazing. It is and a lot of, a lot of appreciation for them. But yeah, so Instagram, Patreon, and uh, Etsy, where I've got a couple prints up. But but really, Instagram is kind of where I hang and try to I, on there. I try to share poems and maybe stuff for my my personal journey and practices. I like to put offering stuff up there because I don't I don't think there's enough of that put out in the world. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to keep it to themselves. I like to try to take a picture or try to articulate the offerings I give to show people kind of what that relationship looks like to help other people on their path. And then, you know, I also like to take, you know, again, in the, in the, in the content, it's, it's weird because I'm a pagan and spiritual person, but I'm also a content creator. So I, I find it useful to take the things I'm working on, like this, the book I'm writing, and I'll take pieces from it and put them on there. Uh, as well, like mm-hmm. a couple passages that are powerful. You just kind of work my way through it. And again, for me, it's a spiritual practice and a community. And it's just been weird to get into this and start doing this and build this community online and, and just a lot of really great people uh, supporting me. So, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Nice. I, I do want to say one more thing, though. Yeah. Because I wrote a book and I published it and it's selling well. And I've made more that I've spent on it. Yay! But I did not create a website. I mm-hmm. did not create a mailing list. I did not create a podcast. I didn't do... There's there's a lot, and this is maybe not just for general people, for people that are trying to make stuff, there is a lot of how-tos. And it'll say, oh, you must have a mailing list. you got to have a website. you got to have this. The only thing you have to do is find a community interact with them meaningfully, make something that somebody likes and find a way to sell it. Hmm. Everything else comes after that. You know, like if that works, you can build on it. If that doesn't work, then no amount of, of money that you waste on a, on, on a mailing list, on a website, you know, your professional domain that you're supposed to have with the .com because it doesn't look professional if it says .wordpress, like, None of that matters. The only thing that matters is to, is to make something, find people, and connect, and, and, and just and just do that. And I think a lot of people try to get overwhelmed with all the stuff you're supposed to do, and I just really shoestringed it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I still haven't done a lot of things that you're supposed to do, but but everything's going well. So I just want to put that out to people in case they're waiting to pull the trigger on, you know, if they have some talent or something that they can do, just do it and find some people and just go, you know. Just say, hey, Venmo me, and I'll, I can do this thing. And, you know, and everything else kind of takes care of itself. We're three okay. years in, and our website literally says, coming soon, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to do it, and then life. <laughs> right, life, yes. Life, but yes. It's, it's, but you could also say it like this, life. Life. You know? Yes. I was going to do this boring thing I didn't actually want to do, but life. My you know? life, Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, it. yeah, 100% agree with you. Don't get too caught up in the in, in the house. Just do's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. Well, since you mentioned Patreon, we got a couple of people that we have been uh, neglecting to say thank you to. Oh, so, yes. So, as far as our Patreon supporters go, we need to thank a Francis, Tyler, Autumn, David, Gim. Gimfer, I apologize if that one's wrong. Sydney, and that was it. 
<laughs> Yay. So thank you to all of you for becoming Patreon supporters, either at the $5 or $1 mark. If you have any questions about how, what you get, why you should support us, I think there was an ad in the break. Yep, there should be at least. <laughs> You never know. But um, if you want to give us a shout out for Millennial Pagan Podcast, we're on Facebook, we are on Instagram, and we are on Twitter. If you can't find us as Millennial Pagan Podcast, try Pagan Pod. Mm-hmm. And if you need to email us, you can email us at millennialpaganpod at gmail.com. Jarrah, where can they find you? Of course, as always, you can find me on the Instagram under uh, Haggard underscore Haggard underscore cosplay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and also plug my YouTube channel if you just look up Haggard Haggard. Like I said, I'm starting to do daily vlogs and kind of just following my journey with uh, with my weight loss, which uh, after one week, I can say that according to the scale, I lost five pounds. Yay! So I'm I'm happy with that. And of course, I also just started up an Etsy shop as well with my uh, resin crafting resin arts. Uh, if you just look up Jarrah Stone's resin art, that's me up there. Yay. Well, as always, you can find me, Autumn Wolf, on Facebook and Twitter. And our Instagram as Millennial Pagan Podcast or Pagan Pod is where I'm pretty much active as well. Um, and you can find um, Jason's Instagram through who I'm following, if that makes it a little bit easier for you. Um, as always, we want to thank all of you listeners for being amazing and cool. And thank you so much, Jason, for coming on and not only sharing your wisdom, but sharing a little bit of your book. Again, you can find his book, The Oath. A Hold on, I have it up. I have it up. I don't have it up. I have it up. <laughs> the, a Heathen's Poet's Journey on Amazon.com by Jason Rawls. Yes. So again, from all of us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast, Merry Meet. Merry Part. And, and Merry Meet, meet again. again. You cut out there. Did you say meet?